Crawford, what did you see? It ate him bit off his head like a gingerbread man. Television. I am Toby Jones. I am with my friend Ben Hansen and my two other friends. Perfect. Uh, this is Al Torb. We are here today talking about the Stuart Gordon classic From Beyond from 1986. Yeah. A truly wonderful, underrated gem of this non existent pseudo genre that we like to talk about here on Terravision. And when we say classic, we mean we hope you've heard of it, and if you hadn't, it's on Instant Watch right now, and it probably will continue to be. It's true. I we'll stop listening to this podcast right now and uh, watch it. That's true. I had never heard of it until a few months ago. Came or, across it, and my life changed forever. Or hop on IMDb, where they have the full film, and, in addition, uh, and additionally, they have the full film of The Godson, as we recently found out. You don't even have to be a Netflix member to watch this movie. All you need is a computer and the internet, and everyone has that. So you have no excuse. Watch it, you, you dummy. Well said, my Brad. Basically, what we have here is Stuart Gordon's follow-up to his all-time classic, Reanimator. And you all have you all had seen Reanimator long before you ever saw From Beyond, correct? Definitely. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I mean, Reanimator is one of those quintessential uh, '80s horror movies. And uh, when I when I originally saw it. Uh, I saw it with Toby and Horeb, and it was in high school. I think it was in high school, wasn't it, guys? Mm-hmm. It was. For, for a reanimator? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we watched it on VHS, yeah, which we watched, is way more appropriate. Yeah, we watched it on VHS in high school, and it was one of those movies that kind of stands out by itself as this is really awesome and has a little bit of a cult behind it. You should watch it. We had no clue who or what a Stuart Gordon was. I really didn't even know who or what H.P. Lovecraft did. Yeah, and he also penned the novel that this is based around... Uh, again, who knows how accurately. I've never read anything by H.P. Lovecraft, so... The film, uh, Reanimator, is, you know, a truly great film. One of my all-time favorites. It is wonderful beyond words. But, um, you know, most people, at least people who are interested in this genre, have already seen it. So I figured it would be kind of redundant for us to do a, uh, a terror vision about it. So I thought that this uh, From Beyond is a little bit lesser known but almost as good, uh, arguably uh, right up there. I don't know, what do you guys think? I think so, yeah. I think it's really, like, it's less iconic, I guess, than than Reanimator, but I don't, so far as its sexual, like, quality and effectiveness and fun level, I don't I don't think it's any less amazing. Uh, I think it's worse. The end. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I, I know, I have actual reasons for it, but I think we should describe the plot a little bit. For that, and I should say, I, I adore the movie as well. Yeah, it um, it uh, it's all about uh, this guy Crawford Tillinghast, played by Jeffrey Combs of uh, of Reanimator fame. He played Herbert West in Reanimator, playing a a much less iconic but much more likable uh, character, and also very distinct character from Herbert West. I'll add, who f- is involved in these uh, these experiments. To stimulate the pineal gland with resonant vibrations. The pineal gland. Why? Dr. Pretorius believed the pineal was a dormant sensory organ. 
a sixth sense. Yes. Well, that's not a new theory. The philosopher Descartes believed it was the third eye. That it opened up this portal to this alternate uh, universe. And apparently, scientifically, allows you to see... Uh, we saw creatures. We saw creatures. These uh, things that are swimming around in the air and fill it all the time. Are they around us now? You bet. Only we can't see them without the resonator. And they can't see us. Yeah. A doctor, Dr. Uh, Catherine Mike Michaels, McMichaels, and a uh, grizzled sort of cop guy named Bubba Brownlee. That's his name. Played uh, by the incredible Ken Flore. Yep. Uh, who we all know and love from Dawn of the Dead. And, and as the voice of the male off screen in the Angry Beavers animated uh, TV series. And as Keenan's dad from Keenan and Kel. <laughs> Whoa! So there's your Nickelodeon connection, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that, is that true? Yes, both That's of those things are true. Absolutely true. Now, next time I watch Keenan and Kel, which is finally <laughs> going to be pretty soon, my mind is going to be blown. You're going to be imagining Keenan's dad wearing an orange little tiny pair of underwear. Running around and swimming in a giant snake water. But uh, eventually what happens is that uh, they're all at this house with this portal. Barbara Crampton's character finds herself entranced by this portal, even though it's extremely dangerous, and unleashes these deadly sexual glob of flesh creatures. And so actually, much like Reanimator, they find themselves continually doing this thing that is very clearly extremely dangerous and deadly, and yet they just keep on doing it. They, they got the Herbert West syndrome down. Uh, it is really the hard. Herbert West syndrome. We it's talked a, about this. It's the, oh man, this isn't quite working. Maybe if we tried it one more time, this will fix everything. Or just a little bit more reanimator juice. Yeah. And, and yeah, this zombie's not going to be any more angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and of course, it, it go, all goes Ryan. Reanimators play a little more for laughs. Here they try and kind of... They try to explain it a bit. Yeah. But uh, it's still like, oh, Stuart Gordon, I know what you're doing. It's almost too bad. Yeah, I actually, I kind of see... I mean, and that's sort of the, the, the basics of, the, of what we have here. I actually see it as a not a sequel, but like a... Like, it's just a perfect follow-up to Reanimator because tonally kind of similar, but it's a completely different story. There's nothing about it aside from that one sort of element that feels like it's ripped from Reanimator. As you were saying before, I really enjoyed that uh, Jeffrey Combs' character and I keep calling him Dr. Herbert West because that's really all I know him from. Crawford Tillinghast. He he really is a distinctive character. I mean, he, uh, he has the same wild eyes as Dr. Herbert West, but he's not an evil character. He has his own set of neuroses. Uh, he gets to, and he gets to say, like, dead serious lines, like, It ain't bit off his head like a gingerbread man. Or, um, He used to bring beautiful women here, eat fine meals, drink fine wines, music. But it always ended with screaming. And he gets to say it with a complete straight face. Like, he gets to do the same style of straight-faced humor that he was doing in um, Reanimator, but he gets to do it with an entirely different character, entirely different results. So kudos for them for not uh, resting on their laurels too much. I like that it it feels like a similar film in scope to Reanimator, but you can certainly tell that they have a much larger budget to work with. And I like that it's like, we're not going to take this budget to, like, go to a bunch, you know, get huge, huge, huge number one star actors, we're not going to use it to go to all these locations, and yeah, yeah, it's like, no, we're just going to use it to make the most amazing, horrifying, disgusting creatures we can, and at one point you're going from two parallel lines of action with two completely different amazing creatures, both eating people's heads at the same time, uh, and it's just like, kudos movie, 
you have so much goodness in you. You're offering so much to me. I think you, um, we, we kind of, you glazed over Dr. Pretorius. Oh, yeah, That's I didn't mention sure. Dr. Pretorius. Uh, first of all, name, reference to the Bride of Frankenstein, beautiful, which already made me love it. Two, he's this, he, he's the one, he was, was he the one who invented it primarily? Was yes, he, he was. And he just turned them crazy, and it turns out, wow, this guy is, he's not just like a regular level creep, like, he's just all out creep. Uh, you know, well, I mean, he's a he's a creep from the get go, though. Like that's the you know what what's great about his character is that all of the characters in the movie are so rich. Like he, the first moment you see him, you know, um, Jeffrey Combs knocks on his door and is like, "Hey, you got to wake up!" And he comes to the door and he's shirtless and kind of kind of glossy. He's like, "Okay, hold on." And he puts on this like creepy like black silk robe, you know, with his chest hair all just springing out of the front. And of course, and later later like, you see this, this guy's a yeah, and later you yeah. notice that out of focus in the background was his S and M chamber. And his main motivation in the entire move see more than any other human being has ever seen, uh, which is apparently what this allows to do. Except for allows you to do. Except for all it really allows you to do is see gooey, gooey, horrible things in uh, Predator Vision. Yes, he was, he was impotent too, right? Yeah, it was yeah. yeah. That was, that was another thing, point I was going to make is like I guess impetus for him making the machine and being this, like, crazy uh, manga rape monster is that he was impotent about it because he needs to violate women in order to, you know, have any sort of arousal. He's got all that S&M gear. He's, like, whipping chicks and filming it. And he has to be just nothing but, like, a, a creepy, horrible rape monster. He, you know, he's all-powerful. He could have just, like, turned himself into, I don't know, Al Green or something, and, like, been a little more uh, soft sell about it, but he just turns into this, like, blob of penis well, instead. I, I, exactly. I, I actually like how the movie, on no level, does a, do any of its explanations make any sense. There's a gland in your brain that allows you to see things that are always there. They just never attack you unless you can see them. And if, the, if you can see them, all they ever do to you is harm the shit out of you. And I so love that. why would you keep doing this? We don't know. And I mean, it's, it's an excuse to be in a haunted house. And it's gorgeous, too. It's like it creates this pink glow. It has, it's really visually distinct from Reanimator because Reanimator has the bright green. I like to really break down these main characters. We already talked a lot about uh, Jeffrey Combs' characters. And, and really, like, honestly, like, he's, to me anyway, kind of the, the least interesting character, even though he's more or less the central character. I agree. And I think it's because he's the least corrupt. I, I mean, I, other than maybe Ken Foray's character, who's pretty much just... He's, he's definitely the most sane, because he wants to get out like as soon as one of those things bites him. He's just like, fuck this. Um, uh, I, I, I want to briefly mention one of the best parts in the entire film, which is uh, they first get up there, they're just inspecting machinery, and they're talking about what they're going to do, and then he's like, hey man, the real issue here is we're going to starve. I'm hungry. And then it cuts to him making yams and putting them on plates. And then it cuts I thought, no, those were like dumplings, weren't they? Whatever they were. Who oh, no, knows? They looked the delicious. Horror way in, what do you think those were? Um... I have no idea. I agree. Continue. I watched the movie like eight months ago. It looked like it looked like dumpling stew to me, but I don't know. But it looked amazing, actually. It was like the one appetizing thing in the film. In any case, you get this long, loving shot of him doling out these delicious dumplings or whatever, and then it cuts right back, and they're back up in the attic, and it's like nothing had even happened. It's like, why did it show us him making the food? I'm, I'm glad also, he, does it, he does it instantaneously and ostensibly without any groceries. At yeah. all, I, that's how good his character is. This food, that's how good his character is, and actually, Ken, a cookie is. Yeah, I was gonna say Ken. Ken Forey's character is actually my favorite character because he's 
totally cool under pressure. He's the he's the most fun character to me, actually, more than uh, more than Barbara Crampton's character. And I absolutely hate that the movie. I'll just spoil it. The movie kills him off about two thirds of the way through, and I think the rest of the movie is weaker as a result. I wouldn't and say as a, res- a valiant death, but yeah. He was my favorite character, too. I wouldn't say that it's weaker as a result, but it does get weaker after about that point. And also, I must, must say, the man looks great in rust-colored briefs. He, That's he, true. He does. but That's they, true. He is a good-looking man. There, there's multiple reasons I don't like him dead, and one of, them's, one of them's he's the most sane character, so I don't like it's killed off. I think it really invites the, uh, oh, the black guy always dies first in horror movies thing, because he does, I mean, he technically is the only one who dies from the machine that doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Because, like like I said, the rules don't make any sense. And when, when the evil doctor dies, he just comes back and it's fine. When Ken Forey's character dies, he's just dead and he's gone for the last third of the movie. I think the last third of the movie is less fun. One of my favorite moments of, of, of uh, Ken Forey is when he just he mentions, you know, unsolicited, that, it, that the machine gave him a hard-on. I'd like to do a study of the CAT scans of schizophrenics. If there's a statistical correlation between schizophrenia and an enlarged pineal, why... They may be seeing or feeling what we saw. Their minds may be influenced by those creatures. Well, how about the hard on I got? Is there a statistical correlation for that, too? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He totally didn't even need to say. Like, all we knew is, like, he got bit, and then he vomited, and then he could have just, I don't think either of them noticed. (laughs) I didn't notice. So he could have gotten away with it, but he was just like, listen, Everybody, that machine gave me a boner. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be forthcoming about it. Yeah. And, and if you'll Pretty notice, me in sixth grade, everyone thought, I thought everyone was looking at it. You got to put the binder over, but no, yeah, right. He okay. was just trying to just come out with it because he thought it would be weirder if he didn't mention it. And oh, yeah. Barbara Crampton's character isn't even phased by his mentioning of it. She's like, oh yeah. The pineal gland helps to regulate the sex drive. Perhaps pineal stimulation causes an accompanying sexual stimulation. We have a scientific explanation for that. So of course we got hard-ons. What are you talking about? Everything in this world's a penis. The movie simultaneously, it is more ambitious in ways than Reanimator. Because, like, the, the S&M stuff, eventually the machine awakens uh, Barbara Crampton's S&M side. She, like, lovingly feels up this leather. I mean, it's just like, I mean, David Cronenberg was getting such a hard-on when he saw this. And she starts, like, trying to uh, tempt Dr. Herbert West while he's asleep. Then she, like, tries to tempt Ken Foray's character. And I really like that there's an S&M theme in the movie and that it's trying to go for kind of an internal horror kind of more, a little more Cronenbergian than just showing you splatter everywhere. Even when Ken Foray says stuff like, that's why I gave me a boner, he's being a little bit more vulnerable. The movie doesn't particularly have an explanation for this, that, and the other, and that's fine. But I think it, in that sense, tries to go in two different directions and doesn't quite, for me, uh, reach quite the heights that Reanimator does. The other quick thing, the other quick reason why it doesn't quite reach Reanimator heights for me is that uh, Reanimator is one of the very best movies in um, always upping the ante till the very end, having the finale be the big finish. And just by the time it's done, uh, John Kerry's severed head is trying to give head to a t- woman tied down through a Frankenstein's body. This movie, I think the ending's kind of a flop, and it just doesn't quite, uh, doesn't leave me with the same feeling. And I, I, I don't mean to trash it, because it's really good. But. I mean, I'm inclined to agree, if we're going to begin talking about the ending, I, the film is amazing, and it's only 80 minutes long, and it goes by at, a, at an amazing pace. Even when it's kind of messing up in the last third a bit, it's still providing a new thing at every possible moment. But I've got to say, it has a crappy ending. <laughs> 
I mean, it has a well. It has a. It has kind of a bad climax. I like the uh, the ending shot of Barbara Crampton scream laughing. Oh, uh, I hate it. It gets a good. It's a good kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Who will survive? What will be left of them? Kind of thing. Like I, I, I liked it. I don't know. For me, for me, it's like. Okay, if you want to compare it's, it's to... symmetrical with the beginning, because now she's the screaming lunatic saying it ate them, it ate them, it ate them. If you want to compare it to Reanimator, Reanimator has that great ending. Who knows what's going to happen? Crap's going to either get super crazy bad again, or who knows? But you're still excited. You're like, oh yeah, I want to see more of this. And it's hilarious. You're not supposed to feel any sort of sense of dread. Yeah. Like, if Dr. Herbert West becomes the rule of the world, you're supposed to think that's funny. Whereas in this case, and it's just like, you have this woman, it's all her fault that anything went wrong... And then why is she laughing? It's just, it's so unsatisfying. You're left with this, like... Because she's insane now. I think that's... She's so, like, kind of traumatized by the... You know, her her hubris has destroyed everything. You see, but, like, it leaves me with a, a, a very empty feeling at the end. Uh, which is, it's the, it's the... I hate it when horror movies do that. It leaves, leaves you this just dead... I felt so empty after watching it. Like, oh, that's what you're going to give me? You were so creative and fun before, and now it's just like... Yeah. It's just like it spits in my face. I, I think you're right, Brad. It is kind of going for the end of uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with uh, Leatherface just kind of throwing the chainsaw up towards the outline, you know, being cons- outlined by the sun. But you're right. It is consistent with... And it's the same, like, there's one sole survivor, and she's just in hysterics, yeah. you know? And you don't know yeah. if she's ever going to recover from it. Sure, but I Which will- I guess is more... It's more in kind of like the straight-laced uh, sort of horror genre that that movie's in. That, yeah, that whole movie was building... That movie right. isn't really campy or fun. It's no. more trying to be like a real horror movie. Yeah. Whereas, I guess, yeah, a more like kind of humorous ending or a more, I guess, slightly tongue-in-cheek ending than, you know, that, that Reanimator has is... I, I will say that Reanimator does have a better ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on that, but but this this I think is overall it's still a fantastic movie. Well, yeah, that, that's a testament to just how great of a film From Beyond really is. I loathe the ending, but I still absolutely adore the film as a whole. Yeah. You got a movie where we have a weird, slimy, half mutant pink creature going saying, "I'm going to kiss you now" with his weird Beetlejuice extended twelve foot tongue. You can't have the you can't have the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre ending. It's inconsistent with the theme. It's the same problem I have with Ken Foray's character being added after the first fifteen minutes, and he's awesome, and they take him away for the last fifteen minutes. So he just—I mean—he literally does feel like he's been hired to be in the middle act of the movie, and then is asked—you know—his contract is done, and that's kind of the problem I have with him. And I agree with Toby. I, I, what would you guys say? I would say this is one of the best movies we've done for television, both quality and my enjoyment to watch. What would uh, you say, Horrible? Yeah, I mean... It is one of my favorites, maybe other than House. Yeah, it's not House good, but it's real good. I would say, yeah, it's not House or Society good. I would say, but it's just below... And especially per ounce, when you get all this to talk about in, what was it, 80 minutes? And we haven't even... There's so more to talk about. Yeah, we... The the two things we have... Yeah, but... I mean, it's amazing. There's two other things we haven't mentioned. It is 80 minutes long. And by the way, uh, for all our viewers out there, our listeners out there, give the director's cut. I think it's only one additional scene. Yeah, it's the, the eyeball sucking scene. Yeah, and it's awesome. And it's Which cool. is great. It's yeah. Um, Through uh, the eye yeah, socket. Oh, so but good. Call the eyeball sucking scene. Why would you cut that? Because uh, yeah. the MPA forced them to. But, uh, and the other thing we haven't fuck mentioned. The MPA. Yeah, fuck the MPA. Um, the other thing we haven't mentioned is the gore effects. All the effects, there's like scenes where people's heads come off and weird tentacles sprout out of them. There's scenes where people's mouths open up and Dr. Herbert West comes out of them. 
Uh, there's a lot of really cool gore scenes. There's a graboid tentacle. It looks like a graboid mouth from Tremors. Ooh, we should do Tremors. <laughs> with a with the giant fucking tentacle, and the guy from Dawn of the Dead fucking has to fight him in his briefs, which are rust-colored, and he kind of has a boner while he does it. What we're saying is, see the movie. There's also the rivalry between Barbara Crampton's doctor and uh, the other doctor, who I believe is named Dr. Block. Uh, (laughs) Played by, I believe that's Stuart Gordon's wife. Really? See, and again, Dr. Block. This movie should not have a serious ending. (laughs) Yeah, and and their rivalry is great because, like, they're totally just, like, so one-dimensional about it. She's this evil doctor who wants to lock up schizophrenics, and she's the big-hearted doctor. And just watching them play off each other is just such a pleasure. It's just so... Sexy. Yeah. Anyway, Toby likes the movie. It's it's great. Is there any one element of the movie that takes away or gives this movie a whole star? Brad? Uh, Yes, I would say that there is one... Very subtle, yeah, I'd say Cronenberg-esque sort of move uh, that I don't know if anybody else noticed, but you have to be a special type of pervert to put this kind of thing in your movie. Go During on. the S&M scene when Barbara Crampton uh, is kind of feeling up on Jeffrey Combs, mm-hmm. she reaches down and is definitely touching his junk. Oh, yeah. After, uh-huh. after she touches his, his weenus, mm-hmm. she... Smells and licks her fingers. Yep. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and, and you would say that adds a star. That is that adds a whole star. I mean, that's so like, <laughs> totally putting a scene in a movie with somebody like wiping their ass and and looking at the toilet paper and having a long shot of the toilet paper. It's just so like. Bleh. It's, like uh, it's amazing. Ho- and, ho- and, you know, Barbara Crampton like. Yeah, like, kudos to her for being like such a a, a, a game actress yeah. to like really put herself in those situations, you know, like, that's that's amazing. Horrible. Yeah, well, I've got, there's no specific scene, but, like, going on the same thing, the S the S&M thing, specifically because there wasn't something that was thrown as a side, it wasn't a quick shocking they had, oh, there's one scene of it. They ran with this the whole film. She had her love in the leather, you gotta see her ass, like, poking out of uh, out of, like, the chap sort of thing. Yep. Uh, people getting whipped and screamed. I mean, this wasn't, like, just a, a quick shot for a quick shock value. I mean, it is a very integral part of the film. And the fact that they just, they ran with it so well, they didn't drop the ball on it. They, they, they you know, they placed their bet on the horse, and they went with it the whole way. Um, it's, it's a Videodrome level of, yeah. of just S&M throughout. I, I got I got hand it to him. That, that was actually the only movie I could think of uh, when they were doing it was, a video, it was as comparable as Videodrome. Uh, I'll do mine, which is half a star less, which is something I always, I already bitched about, which was the um, the not, uh, you know, not building up like I thought they should, and dropping a few elements and going a few different ways. Uh, anyway, I, I know we all like the movie, so I decided to be an ass. Toby, uh, same same thing for me. I, I did remove a half star for the ending. I appreciated that in the last act they decided to leave the house, try something new, get into the hospital, get a new set piece going. It doesn't, it doesn't, I appreciate that they tried, I appreciate that I was seeing something new. It just didn't quite work as well as it should have. And another question I wanted to ask, if you remade the movie, if we were given free reign in some magical universe to remake it, and it works for stuff like Chopping Mall where I genuinely want to take elements and, tr- and change it, this movie I just kind of want to... 
make a stronger ending. And I don't know what I would do, really. Uh, it kind of is crappy of me because I'm complaining about it so much. Do you guys have any ideas? They're all they're all in the ultimate world. Someone turns it on, mm-hmm. and you see them all in these horrible monster outfits just playing poker with each other. Fuck yeah, that's a better at, ending. Someone just walks in, they turn on the machine, like, like years in the future, like, what is this? And they're just all playing poker, and they dress in S&M, build these weird fleshy things, and they just turn and look, and the guy gets shocked, and... Uh, here's what I would do. Last act, they get stuck in the other world, and they realize that the trappings of their regular world are just part from their own minds, and things slowly turn into a world entirely of bright pink and fleshy globs. So, like, the walls are giant penis walls now. See, and the whole they go into this yeah. whole world of it. Obviously, they didn't have the budget for that. The they could have done something like that. Brad, do you have anything? Uh, oof. I don't know. I don't know. You could, um, hmm... Top threes. <laughs> Top threes. Uh, Brad, oh, you don't have one, Brad. Horeb, you go first. I, know, I do have one. Go. I just came up with one. Do it, old maid. Top three Ken Foray moments. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, number number three is uh, him saying his uh, his requisite kind of kind of giving his his street knowledge. Uh, it's like a you know it's like a tough a tough cop where he says something to the degree of like I know this behavior. I've seen it in the streets. You may be a scientist, lady, but right now you're acting like a junkie. And he, he just, like... Junkies. He, yeah, said you're he, a junkie. yeah, junkies. He, of course, has to, like, relate it to, like, street life, right? Because he's, he's black. And uh, two is definitely the dumplings, the soulful dumpling scene where he's, he's, he smells and he's having this great, like, moment with the food by himself. It really needs to be known um, that he serves up one for each of the other characters and three for himself. And he never, and he never sees the other people eat them. It's totally the film's waitress, waitress more butter moment. Number one... Gee, I guess I guess it's a it's a toss up between between his 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 turning down his his very noble turning down of, <laughs> of Barbara Crampton and uh, him uh, doing the Tarzan with a with a kitchen knife and and underwear. I gotta I add though, you get a real good basket shot from him when he gets knocked down the stairs. Oh yeah, you get like <laughs> his legs his legs open up and you get such a view of that sponge down there. And it's you know great. what? I just figured out what pisses me off the most about him dying, which. God, that sucks. The more I think about it, the more it sucks. It's a great death scene. Um, it's a great death scene. He shouldn't die. He should have either come back and told him how awesome it was. There, that's my remake. He comes back and tells him how awesome it was. They join, kill Doctor, whatever the evil guy's name is, and they're just happy. Yeah, and they're just happy being SM freaks and they have they start doing a three-way end credits roll. There we go. And what pisses me off about him dying is that he's so awesome in Dawn of the Dead, and he flies in the face, as George Romero likes to do. He flies in the face of, you know, black guy dies first in a horror movie. The other guys go crazy he keeps his head the whole time and almost kills himself because the world's not living it worth living and he goes no fuck it i'm too badass and then goes up to the helicopter and that's the end of the movie fuck everybody even though i'm gonna run out of gas i want to see that from him yeah his death scene he is kind of like and he dies sort of by accident yeah like turns on the flashlight and accidentally points it at himself yeah he's and a, then all the bugs go towards him and he's, he's a, just like no whoops yeah, he's a bad mother. He's a bad motherfucker. He's fucked shit up for the whole movie. Yeah, he kind of fails, but I like that. I like him tripping and stumbling so that when he trips and stumbles and dies and goes into the other world, he should come back even happier, even happier. Because the other guy was a pervert when he went to the other world, so he should just come back as the coolest. Uh, he, comes and, you know, he, he comes back and he slips on a banana peel and he just falls, um, <laughs> but instead of falling onto the ground, it's just like. 
this river of chocolate, and he just lands in it. And he's like, yeah, this is what I wanted anyway. You see, that was so obvious. It was so obvious that he should have slipped on a banana peel and landed in chocolate. I don't know why Stuart Gordon didn't think of that. Well, he's an idiot. <laughs> Horror, what's your top three? Okay, well, um, as, as I think I mentioned, uh, it was a while since I watched this film. I watched it before we were doing the top three, so I did not have one prepared. However, during the course of this, I prepared uh, the top three Ben Hansen appetizers. <laughs> ben Hansen, uh, of course, on the on the show, uh, is well known for his love of appetizers with movies. Um, and so my number three is hot chocolate with the fixins, uh, <laughs> meaning he puts whipped cream on there, and he puts cinnamon, uh-huh. sprinkles. Did you put one of those little, little baguette cookies into it as well? No, I, I, I did have a graham-flavored um, cocoa <laughs> once that I put a graham... Did you have a, did you have a little wafer? No, I put graham cracker in the whipped cream in addition to the cinnamon. Ben, what flavor, what flavor was the cocoa you're drinking right yeah, now? Yeah, oh, I was actually drinking a Starbucks blend of salted caramel and uh, regular cocoa. I, I, I have two more here. Uh, number two mm-hmm. is apples with peanut butter. Oh, God, yes. But he cuts it up into little slices, too, because he doesn't just like cut up the thing. He cuts it up... And then he lays it out decorating like like he's preparing it for someone else. Like yeah. someone's like, you, your mom would sick. It's a and fucking, it, yeah, it's a fucking Renaissance painting of apple. What? He has just enough peanut butter for the apple that it sets. So he sets it up first, sits it down, admires it, then he eats it. Uh, and then number one, uh, which I think most of us would agree is the number one Ben appetizer, is hummus with crackers that he complains that the crackers make the hummus taste bad, but he never gets the proper crackers. Actually, since since then, he, he now uses the proper crackers at this house. I've so never, much. every single time, he ate hummus next to me, he'd give me a taste of it, and be like, oh, I got the wrong crackers. This is, this is. <laughs> Unlike Stuart Gordon, who... He never learned. No, unlike Stuart Gordon, who ends his movie with the improper crackers and kills off Ken Foray, I now buy the proper crackers. Uh, Toby, what's your top three? My top three is top three categories this film is given on IMDb. Uh, in case you don't know, if you go to IMDb, you get a long list of categories and sort of subgenres that films are categorized by. And there are a lot of really interesting ones. For, for, okay, so number three, female-on-male somnophilia. And now that is interesting to me for a number of reasons. Uh, Horror actually had to tell me what somnophilia is. What is that? <laughs> Sonophilia uh, is, is the, the, the fetish of uh, watching someone or molesting them as they sleep. And I like that it's... Uh, it's Forbes is very familiar with this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, no, you break it. I mean, it makes sense to you, you know, somna, you know, sleep, and philia. This fet- I mean, it's it's a surprisingly it's common and disturbing fetish. In, what, what, in our uh, hometown of Fargo, there was this famous guy named the Fargo Watcher because no one locks your door because it's this quaint Midwestern town. And uh, he literally would break into people's houses and watch them. So there are numerous reports of women waking up and there's just some dude looking at them. And that is uh, somnophilia. <laughs> and that is uh, Horeb and Stuart Gordon. But uh, what I like about that, cat- <laughs> about that category is that it's female on male somnophilia. So that means that there's another category you can search for if you're like, I don't want female on male, I want male on female somnophilia. So you can go in and get the other, this completely separate category. Duh. Number two, licking someone. So you can click that and uh, get From Beyond and every other film that ever had someone licking someone. I wonder if Alien 3 is included. Continue. Uh, and my number one, you know, there are a bunch of other good ones, you know, a lot more specific about masturbation and S&M. But my number one favorite category that was listed for From Beyond is jumping through a window. <laughs> If ever you need to get a compilation of every film that ever had someone jumping through a window, oh. you now can, so thanks I, to the Internet Movie Database. Now I can get From Beyond and Sergeant Kabuki Man in one category. Finally! 
Uh, my top three are things that are fucked up about the hospital that they always go to in this movie. Okay, number three is Asylum. The hospital has a fucking asylum. There's just crazy people stuck in these cages. And the the head nurse, Nurse Block, is uh, in favor of this. And uh, the timid, mousy um, Barbara Cramden character goes through and is frightened by all of them. Including my personal favorite, a man furiously masturbating while looking at her. Um, <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of the Great Twilight Zone episode, The Howling Man. Number two is uh, the... The same Dr. Block locks up Herbert West, a.k.a. Um, Jeffrey Combs' character, um, at the beginning. Says that he's crazy. Says that Barbara Cranston's character should not bother treating him. And then later on, when he is all fucked up, bald, and has a third eye bulging out of his head, all a brain damage, he he is then uh, taken sympathy upon by Dr. Block and uh, accuses Barbara Cranston's character of doing this to him. And she's going to help him and... Uh, make him feel all right. Even though at the beginning of the movie, she thought he should be locked up. But now that he's been screwed up by a solar woman, now all of our rage is going to reflect on someone else in a complete contradiction, which is hilarious. But number one is definitely uh, when she orders uh, Barbara Cramden's character to undergo electric shock therapy, which, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think Horb might know about this. Uh, I thought that was generally not in medical practice anymore by 1986. No, no. K- Kitty Dukakis got it. Well, they, they mention. Oh, that's right. They mention in the film, though. She says, "Barrier for electroshock therapy." Doctor Block, hospital policy. Hospital policy dictates that the nursing staff is to follow orders. Now, do as I say. Um, and and on top of that, the guy who's administering the electroshock therapy has this big grin on his oh, he's face. He's way into it. Yeah, he's like, "Oh man, yeah, I finally get to electric shock somebody." That's and that's awesome. And and. Is that and and again, uh, it, it wasn't listed. Yeah. And again, why isn't that tone kept for the ending? It's it's always totally right about that. Uh, all right. Well, I guess uh, before we move on to our star ratings, I just want to make a passing mention of the fact that we also did an episode about robot jocks, and it's the same director. I want to make a passing mention that the house number is 666. T. <laughs> it's, it's not only 666. It's 666 Benevolent Street. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that could not be better. It couldn't be better. Uh, moving on to our star ratings. Uh, Brad, what is your star rating you're going to award this uh, great film with? Oof. I'm going to have to go with four, maybe four and a half stars. Horrible. Strong four. Loved it. A little below uh, Reanimator, but still a movie that I highly recommend seeing. Yeah. For, for me, it's also going to be a four. Now, i got to mention, I saw the film a few months ago. I'd never heard of it before. I came across it. I was looking. I, I always, I always name drop House of Self Indulgence that blog. I was looking through them, and I saw the film, and I'm like, oh, which of these films is on Instant Watch? From Beyond's on Instant Watch. Oh, it's by Stuart Gordon. Let's have a look. It was like a Tuesday afternoon, and I was just glory. Yeah, and which was, is the, really the best time to watch it by exactly. I was just sitting there. I was blown away by how great this film was, and how I was just sitting there, and I'd never even heard of it. And uh, it was running at a 4.5 for the whole time until the very end, where it just tip, dips down to just a 4 for me. But solid 4, truly great film. Uh, I, I had that it becomes more fun every time you watch it. It was really fun to watch a second time. I would give the movie a big wet fart. I mean, four and a half, actually. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Really? I'm going to go ahead and do hey, it. You're the one jumping out of more than but, but, but Ben, I know. you tricked me. You're <laughs> <laughs> just testing your reserve. Um, because I would give Reanimator five. It's perfect. Well, yeah. I would give, straight up five. I would give Society four and a half, and I'm going to say Society is a better film than this, but it's. It, i got to give it four and a half. It's showing me shit I've not ever seen. Yes, the ending's weak, 
but it's the only part about it this week, and the stuff that's good is so potent. I actually was going to give it four until I rewatched it, and I was like, no, there's so much about this that's unique, and it's so much better than even other movies that try and do this. Even other movies that try and have fun while doing the genre, they don't do it as fun as this movie does, and at 83 minutes, I really just can't say no. I'm just a girl that can't say no. Fine, fine, Ben. Trick me into giving it a four, why don't you? So we're going to wrap up by telling everybody that when you see the DVD cover for this, it's going to look like a uh, straight-to-video piece of shit. Please trust us that it's so much better, and it's 80s-tastic and actually fun. It looks like, I don't know. The, the DVD cover is some Photoshop pile of garbage BS that has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> it is the my the worst DVD cover I've ever seen in my life. I see, yeah, was, I'm really even like trying to think yeah. of like what what it reminds me of. It just looks like some, like, Marilyn Manson yeah. monstrosity. Like, this... No, it looks like a college-made a college horror film that they're selling for super, super cheap. So instead of actually putting money into the movie, they just hired a really gross artist to make the cover for it. So people were like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And they put it in, they're just bored by it. Yeah, okay, you know, you know, like, Black Christmas, that 70s horror movie that no one cares about, and they made a remake that no one cares about? It's like if someone made a straight to DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, straight-to-video sequel up to the remake of Black Christmas, and it just has the cover of a creepy-looking dude about to kill someone, and you see it on the show, and you go, well, I'm never going to watch that. That is what it looks like. And, Do they uh, have straight-to-Blu-ray? What? Uh, what? Do they have straight-to-Blu-ray? Is this oh, yeah. Like so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, straight-to-Blu-ray, yeah. and they go, this is bad. It's not going to be in theaters. But people want to see a high death version of it. Of course, that's no, they totally, do that. totally. They happens. do it with every format. And yeah, like that's that's why I never noticed it on Instant Watch before because the DVD cover is something you see and you're just like, Ugh! and you just scan right past it. But it's on Netflix Instant Watch and IMDb for free to watch. Sit down and watch it. Perfect length for a stream, oh. eighty minutes long. Uh, can't recommend it enough. And to close out this evening, we are not going to play something from From Beyond, but rather a clip from Move Your Dead Bones, an awesome dance track from Beyond Reanimator. Good night. Come on, boys and girls. Come a little closer. I'm the reanimator. If you're feeling dead.